Oh, come, oh, come. Oh, Lord Jesus, come. We thank you that you have come and that you're coming. And the day will come when you will usher in a new heaven and a new earth. All things will be made new. We'll see you face to face. and There'll be no more crying or tears. So I pray this morning, Lord, that you would grant us a revelation of you and your love. And the simplicity and the depth of this, uh, this text, Lord, would grab us and plant seeds in us that would remain, that would bear great fruit in the months and years to come. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, let's begin. Well, let's read the passage. Begin in uh, Mark chapter 10. It's a famous story of the rich young ruler. Uh, I'm not going to read the whole thing, just a piece of it. But it begins in verse 17. As Jesus starts on his way, and a young a man run, ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. He says, good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? So try to imagine the scene. It's, you know, Jesus is kind of like a... Um, uh, if you can picture a movie star or a candidate for office, but he's got throngs of hundreds of people all around him as he's walking down this road. And this, and this rich man comes and runs up to him and, and falls down before him I mean, and, and on his knees and says, oh, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? I mean, incredible humility. And then Jesus you know, has a little interaction with him in verse 18, why do you call me good, back and forth. And then verse 21, Jesus, I want you to look at 21, I want you to underline this verse. Jesus looks at him and loves him. Okay, he looked at him and he loved him. One thing you lack, he said, go sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. All right, amen. At this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. All right, let me start with a question, a little exercise we're going to do. I'm going to start with this exercise. I'll end with it. Try, try, take a moment. Imagine God thinking about you right now. What do you assume God feels when you come to his mind? I want you to think about it. Now, I suspect if we had the time I went around, a, a large number of you would say, I think he's disappointed. Or I think he's frustrated. A few of you would probably say, he's angry. <laughs> he's angry. And probably even, uh, maybe even a few in this room would say, I think God's disgusted. He's just disgusted with me. Now, the way you answer that question says a lot about where you are in your journey of following Christ. And uh, because this, this text is so rich, so profound, I, I mean, it's, it's, I pray you're going to leave here and meditate on what we talk about this morning. Uh, and I'm going to break it down into two simple parts. There's an invitation here that Jesus makes to this rich young man. It's an invitation to surrender to love. It's really not about money. It's really about surrendering to perfect love. And then Jesus, then there's an incredible promise at the end. Uh, but I want to spend most of my time on this first point about this invitation that Jesus makes to this, to, to love. And it goes, really, it comes out of verse 21. Jesus looks at this man and says, one, you know, he looks at him and he loves him. And then he gives him this word. Now, 
Again, it took a lot of humility for this guy to come to Jesus. I mean, no, undoubtedly, this young man is, I mean, I don't know why we say rich young ruler. So say he's in his 30s, okay? He's got wealth, he's got position. He probably came from a good family, got a good education. Maybe he inherited the money. Maybe he earned it, you know, from his own efforts. Uh, but clearly had some benefits coming into life and some blessings. And in ancient Jewish culture, it was understood if you had wealth, uh, you were blessed. And if you were poor, you were considered cursed. You must have sinned or done something wrong. So this guy would have been considered blessed. And uh, his family was significant to him. And the reason we know that is because Jesus, when he quotes these commands to them, says, honor your father and your mother. He throws that in there. It's actually not even in the order of the Ten Commandments. And then the end of the passage in verse uh, 29, 30, 31, Jesus reiterates that no one who leaves father and mother for my sake will feel to receive a hundred times as more. So I, I suspect the guy, his family was important to him and honoring them. And, and uh, people surely looked up to him because he had position, he had some wealth. He had, when you have money, you have options. You have freedom to make choices that poor people don't have about moving, about jobs you want to take, and you obviously have a lot more friends and relationships because you have more to give. You actually have the power to change people's lives with your money. And uh, so he's got a secure future, this guy. Uh, yet he knows something's wrong inside. He knows that he's struggling. He's not sure he's right with God. He's clearly a churchgoer. He's clearly sitting in the pew like us this morning. Um, and I suspect when this is all over, he's still going to be sitting in the pew because he's a good religious guy and uh, seeking to follow God. And he knows, he knows things about God. I mean, he knows all about God's love. And in fact, he could probably preach a good sermon about the love of God. Uh, the problem is he, he, doesn't, he, doesn't, he hasn't experienced it, but he knows it. Uh, he knows the commandments. He knows about the God of Israel. But you know, just like today, there are a lot of us, we know a lot about God. We can articulate it. We know, we, we have a lot of beliefs about God. Uh, but we don't have much to say about how we experience God in our relationship with him. We have a little less. If I said, tell me about how you're experiencing God in your relationship, you probably would answer it very differently than, what do I believe about God? And the rich young ruler has got a lot of beliefs about God, but his experience of this love of God we're going to talk about, he doesn't know that. And... Uh, but nothing, I want to hear this, nothing can, nothing can substitute for an encounter with perfect love, who is Jesus himself. That, that nothing, that experience. And uh, so Jesus invades this, got to imagine, this guy comes to Jesus, and he doesn't know it, but he's wearing a mask. Remember that message on taking off the false self? And uh, remember that, that message in the temptation in the wilderness? Here's what he's struggling with. Uh, He's finding his true identity in a false self. He's wearing a mask. And uh, I suspect for him, I am what I have. He's got a lot of possessions. He's got great security. He's banking on it. I don't know about what he does. He's a ruler, so he, he's got probably a nice position. He does some things. And he's probably pretty concerned what others think. I, I suspect his family's important to him. But Jesus loves him. And here he comes up to Jesus. He's, he's kneeling. I mean, for, I mean, the guy's humiliating himself before all these people. I mean, if I was like... One of the disciples said, listen, Jesus, we need this guy's money right now. Treat him good, you know? We're all poor fishermen here, and he's on his knees. Hey, what do you want? You know, we got a lot of opposition from these religious leaders. And, but Jesus loves him, looks at him, loves him, and, and he tells him, he, t- he basically says, I love you. You can take off the mask now. Your identity is not in what you have. Take it off. I love you. You don't have to prove anything anymore that you've got some worth and value somewhere else. And he says to him, I, I hope these words frighten you. He says, 
go sell everything you have. I don't know about you. I don't, I'm not a rich young ruler. But sell everything you have, give it to the poor. So man, I got to go out, I got to sell my house, I got to sell my clothes, I got to sell my car, I got to sell my lawnmower, everything, okay? And I'm going to give it, he says, give it to the poor. Give it to World Vision, give it to AIDS in Africa, you know, give it to Habitat for Humanity. Give it away, okay? Then, Jesus, then after you've done that, come and follow me. Now, how do you like those apples? Is that the God you came to worship this morning? Is this the God you signed up for who loves you enough to tell you that? Now, I don't know, if I was him, I'd be absolutely terrified. I mean, where, where are we going, G? I mean, where, 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 follow you where? And wherever there is, how are we going to get there? In fact, when are we going to get there? And who am I going with? I mean, Jesus doesn't tell him anything. Just says, all these things you're attached to, let them go. Because you can't follow me if you're wearing a mask and holding on to all these other things. I love you enough to confront you with this false self you're using, this mask and these illusions that you're basing your whole life on. And I love you enough, I don't want you sitting in synagogue week after week after week in an illusion. Because you lack something here, and uh, this is it. You know, I don't know about you, but... Um, you know, I was talking to one of our uh, youth, and uh, we were joking around about um, he has 25 pairs of sneakers, depending on the clothing outfit. And, uh, you know, so it matches, you know. My kid's been trying to help me with my dress. It's not going that well. <laughs> Socks and the whole thing. It's a very expensive way to live. But so, well, Jesus says, get rid of your 25 pair of sneakers. <gasps> you know. <laughs> Or, 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 or your Christmas gifts, my daughter said, after I use them for a little while, perhaps, you know? I mean, we, we can't even imagine such a word coming to us. I mean, now, remember, that, that, oh, oh, I guess it was September, we talked about, you know, God has different calls for us, you know, in, in, in terms of our activity level, and he had Mary sitting at the feet of Jesus. She was kind of a monk, you know, and we, we kind of a hermit, you know, before Jesus. And then you got folks who are very active, like Martha, you know, and where, where's God calling you to live out that balance of active and contemplation? Well, you really can think the same thing with possession and the money. You know, here Jesus asked this guy, sell everything and take a vow, basically you're going to live in total poverty. Now, I know a number of people that have chosen made a vow of poverty. They have chosen, I will own nothing my entire life. I have signed it. If any wealth comes my way, it is immediately to be given away. So I don't want anything encumbering my life to follow Jesus. Cool. Write that person's name down immediately. Cool. Okay, now, now you, you think about that. Now you say, well, if Jesus, and they said, Jesus, I believe God's asked me to do that. So they're over here. Now some of you are saying, oh God, I hope I'm not over there, you know? But where are you? You come to Jesus, he looks at you and loves you. Because God does call people at all different levels, doesn't he, in terms of wealth and, and possessions. And, but, and, and, and if you want to get over here, you think about tithing, which would be a 10% of our income, which is a nice principle, you know, to help us keep us honest. All of a sudden, that does look so bad. It's like, oh my gosh, you know, I mean, being generous, this is nothing next to this over here. I'll take this any day of the week. <laughs> Some of us are so attached 
That, I mean, I love, anytime we talk about money in a church, there's always people, oh, there's the preacher, man, man, get into my pocket, you know, and there he goes. Or, or, or you know, do I do the net or gross? You know, what do I got to do to keep God happy on this thing? You know, I got my bases covered. Or, you know, or, or, or people say, you know, Pete, uh, you know, I'm on vacation. I love vacation. I, I lived like this for years. I loved not going to church. I saved money, you know. It was not, I think vacations and not going to church, it's kind of like, you know, I get to keep, I don't feel any guilt. But the whole, the whole mentality was all screwed up. And, um, but this guy can't do it. I want you, this guy, when Jesus says, come follow me, and, and he gives him his call, he, he, he can't, he can't do it. I mean, I don't know about you, but I, I, I feel compassion for this guy, don't you? I'm like, I couldn't do it either. Matt, either you have problems, I had to, pre- I had to prepare my heart to preach this, all right? All right, I mean, Jesus looked at me and loves you and said, Pete, I want you to sell everything you have and come follow me. I just use the excuse of my wife. You know, it helps. <laughs> Two times, Jesus mentions in verse 23 and, thir- and 24, Jesus says how hard this is. This is, it is hard. Now, obedience to Jesus is really, it's a better, it's really a surrender. It's a surrender to a person. It's, it's not a, it, it, and you've got to feel relaxed to surrender to him and trust him in his love. But you see, this is very different than, 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 the question is, you know, if I invitation to a surrender to love, Jesus is not, Jesus does not need the guy's money. Jesus wants him to surrender to perfect love, who is Jesus himself. Now the question is, who am I at the core of my identity? You see, your relationship with God is very different if you realize that God is head over heels crazy about you. Or that God just can't stop loving you. It's, it's passionate, he's intense, he, he's reckless in his love for you. I mean, just extravagant in his love for you, not knowing what you're going to do with it. And he loves each and every one of us in this room, no matter what your performance has been to this date. He loves you with a depth, with a persistence, with an intimacy, with an intensity so far beyond your imagination. In all eternity, you will never grasp the height and depth and the breadth of the intensity of the love of Jesus, who was perfect God love for you. And, 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 and God knows you're a sinner. He knows what you've done, and it doesn't change an iota of his love towards you. That's what's that's so incredible. It doesn't reduce it by a minute. Now, if, if you're one of those, you're convinced, I say, what, what's, God, you know, what's God feeling about me right now? You're, you're, you're saying, what's catching, you know what's catching God's attention? My sin, my sin. You're all wrong. What catches attention is his love for you first. He's grieved that you can't receive it. But obedience flows out of a surrender to his love for you. This is, you're not in the army and God is a general. All right, you, Daryl, take that hill. You know, do this. I mean, no, this is a love relationship with a God who's created you in his image from the foundation of the world, of the world formed you in your mother's womb, and loves you and set his love upon you came and died for you, rose again, sends a spirit and woos you and, and, and orchestrates life that you'd respond to his promptings and his love. And just like the rich young ruler, you're going through life and Jesus stops you and looks at you and he loves you. And he speaks the truth to you and says, listen, you don't have to play the world's game anymore. You can take off the mask and be vulnerable and be erect. And I love you. And let me transform you, make you whole, make you new, Make you the person I've called you to be. But you've got to surrender to my love. Now, the problem is, you know, most, we, we don't trust anybody. I'm in love. I, 
I mean, we've all been loved imperfect, by imperfect love. Every one of us in this room, no matter how good your parents may have been, the, your parental love you received was imperfect. Every love, every best friend, girlfriend, spouse has all been imperfect. Everybody in this room, we've all been let down by love. And I know, like you, I don't get anything for nothing. I mean, I hate handouts, don't you? How dare God love me perfectly and freely? Well, I gotta, let me clean myself up and then I'll come and receive your love. But I've got to make sure I clean myself up first. That's not the way this unconditional love works. Hallelujah. It's without conditions. I love you, period. Now surrender yourself and obey me. So I don't know if you've thought about who are you at the core of your identity. But I say, when, I, when I say your identity, I mean who you experience yourself to be. If I say... You know, who are you? As you carry yourself, who, who am I within? What would you say? You know, oh, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a student. It's not what I do. I'm a student. I'm a principal. I'm a teacher. I'm a social worker. I'm a father. I'm a husband. I'm a, I'm a mom. Um, you know, I'm a, I'm a social worker. I'm married or I'm single. These are all like statuses and roles. The essence of our identity, whether you realize it or not, is I am deeply loved by God. Now, again, I'm talking about who you experience yourself to be, what you carry inside of you. I say, who are you? Or, you, or in your better moments, I say, who am I? I say, I, my, my, my identity is? I want you to think about this for a minute. Your identity. You may have sold your three of your 25 pair of sneakers, and you don't match. And you walk to work, or you walk to school and say, boy, you don't match. What a creep. And you say, you know what? I am deeply loved by God. That's who I am. I'm not based on my sneakers or how much money I made last week or my employment or what you think of me or how much possessions I have. I, I am deeply loved by God. That, that's who I am. Now, you may not know that that's who you are, but that is who you are because you were created in the love of God. When God made you, you were created out of his love. And the fact that you're alive right now, he sustains you by his love. In fact, Love is what your, your hopes and dreams and everything you want in life is you're yearning for this unconditional, absolute, perfect love that you're looking, we're all looking for in other places. And what your, what your greatest desire for happiness, it's all in his love. So you realize your entire existence, in a sense, encapsulates in this love of God for you. And so when Jesus comes to his rich young ruler and looks at him and loves him, do you realize what's being, what's being thrust on him? As Jesus sees this guy in slavery, in bondage, in chains, and he's trying to set the guy free. He goes, I love you enough to tell you the truth that this is all an illusion. I want you to, to let go of your fears and your walls and your protections and surrender to my perfect love. The guy is frightened to death. You know, but for God to transform you, his love to transform you, I, this has to become the basis of my identity. And uh, it's really the foundation of any growth in Christ. This message could have been entitled, this is, this is the foundation of all spirituality, Christian spirituality. You don't get this in Islam or Hinduism or Buddhism. This is, this is the uniqueness of the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God who has revealed himself through Christ. He is perfect love, and he invites us to surrender to it. But I hope you're, you're sitting here saying, that is a terrifying thought. That's frightening, especially if you come from backgrounds. Like I have, I surrendered to love. I got hurt. I got abused. I got beat up. Some of you have been through divorces. You know what? I surrender. I'm, taking, I'm surrendering to nobody. A, and where are we going? I mean, it's talk about loss of control. 
If you don't trust his love for you, you will never surrender. There is no way you're selling your stuff. You're holding on to your own life because you can't trust anybody. How do I get healed from that? How, do I ch- how does that change? That is by basking and soaking in the love of God for you. So where you really, you don't just say, I'm deeply loved by God. It's actually your experience at the core of who you are. I am deeply loved by God. You know, I, 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 don't, I don't believe this happens instantly. This is a, this is a growth process for us of, of soaking. But not just, just, this passage really, he gets into the whole money issue and his possessions for this guy. Now, let's take a minute and just talk about that before we go on, because money is the most powerful uh, issue in our culture. I mean, money drives the culture in the most powerful country in the world, the richest country in the world. And Jesus said, you can't, love, you can't have two masters, money and me. And uh, you've got, it's got to be me first. And um, this rich young ruler doesn't get this ownership thing. He, he thinks he actually owns it versus being a steward. It's just, you know, he's stewarding it for God. And... Um, you remember that from this message we did a while ago, you know, a year ago, that you know, he doesn't get it that everything's owned by God, that God gave him the wealth he has. It came from God, and God distributed it to him quite a bit, and that he can trust God with it. Now, Jesus talked twice as much about money than he did about heaven and hell combined. And um, he talked five times more about money than prayer. He's got 500 verses about prayer and faith. He's got 2,000 verses about money. There's 38 parables that Jesus gave us in the New Testament, 16 had to do with money because he understood that money touches our deepest fears of security, of, 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 of how, can I, how am I going to take care of myself? And it touches the heart of our relationship with God. That's why, that's why I, I, it was a blessing. One of the great blessings of us having to purchase a building was it forced us all to wrestle with what am I about? And that it's not just about giving some money. It's about what's my whole life about? Is my life really about surrendering to Jesus? And he is my treasure in heaven is what counts. He's what counts. And uh, there is a deep connection between our spiritual lives and what we own. Now, again, I can make the when Jesus says, come follow me, and, and I hope you're frightened by that. Come follow me. So whether you've been, again, sexually abused, whether you have a painful pam- family past, whether it's a money that you hold on to, whether it's addictions, whether it's greed, whether it's your drivenness, whether it's what people think, I don't know, but when Jesus says, you've got to let go of this and come follow me, it is scary to surrender to, oh yeah, this is, you know, who can be trusted with little, can be trusted with much. It is, it is frightening to surrender to love. It is, Moses had to surrender and go up against Pharaoh and leave everything he knew. Jonah had to surrender and go to Nineveh and leave everything he knew. Abraham had to leave his culture and his country and travel hundreds of miles to where he didn't know where he was going. David had to leave his comfortability and attack Goliath. Peter had to get out of the boat and walk towards Jesus. What I'm saying, friends, is this thing of invitation to God's love is really the heart of all Christian spirituality. The Lord looks at you, he loves you, and says, listen, I want you to let go of everything you're holding on that you're attached to. And allow my perfect love to encompass you and surrender yourself to me. Come follow me. And um, goodness, and as we let go, you, you think about what this rich young ruler missed by not going with Jesus. He walks away sad. Do you realize all the revelation about Jesus he never knew? I mean, all, all the experiences he would have had with Christ and what is, the fullness and beauty and greatness of his life. The guy left, he, he probably sat in synagogue the rest of his life, didn't know what was going on. I mean, just, 
meant nothing to him because he didn't surrender himself to, to that perfect love of Jesus. But do you realize if you don't surrender yourself to his love, what you miss of life and what a tragedy it is to remain in chains, protecting, trying to guard your own life as if you really have control, what an illusion. Wearing masks, you really can't love when you're wearing masks. Who can get close to you? And um, I hope some of you are saying, Pete, I think you're crazy. This is crazy. And I'm saying, yes. It is, this whole thing, this whole text is crazy. So here's the promise. Jesus says, I invite you to surrender love. Now here's this incredible promise. And what happens, the disciples get frightened. Because Jesus says, how hard it is for a rich, it's easier for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven than it is for a camel to go through an eye of a needle. And I know many people used to say to me, oh yeah, well that's because there's an eye of a needle is the name of a gate. And it means you've got to bend in, you know, and you kind of go through the gate. There is no gate. There's no gate. It's an, it's an illusion, okay? What he's saying is that it's impossible for a person with wealth, we're all in trouble here because we all have wealth, we live in America, it's impossible to have wealth enter the kingdom of God because we end up getting attached to it. It clings to us. And then the disciples get really scared and say, well, but, but who, who can be saved? And Jesus says, it's impossible with man, but not with God. All things are possible with God. And then Jesus gives them an incredible promise. He goes, I want you to look at verse 29 and 30. He goes, I tell you the truth. You see, we obey God because he won our hearts in love. That's the only reason we obey God. I don't obey God because I'm afraid he's going to smack me. I obey God because he's won my heart, he's loved me, and I love him back. And I'll, I just, I, I want to. Christ, Christian obedience is what lovers do. So Jesus says in verse 29, look at this verse. Oh, goodness. He goes, I tell you the truth. No one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me. Now, I don't know about you, but like some of us, I have children. Jesus is saying, I mean, the assumption is you're leaving everything. So if you're single here or you're married here, that's why it says, I leave all of it. That's never my first place of life. I'm, my, my place of life and love is from Jesus himself. I am deeply loved by God. That's who I am. So in a sense, I've left even my kids. Some of you are saying, amen. <laughs> amen. I leave them here at church. I'm going home alone. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about here. Is that, is that, is that I, I, as you leave it, but you can't be a disciple unless you unattach to come follow. And he goes, I tell you, those who do this, no, notice, for me and the gospel, we just don't do it for, for nothing, we do it for Jesus and the gospel, will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age and the age to come. And he promises a hundred times, I promise you, he knows we're scared to death to surrender. He knows we don't trust, we, especially good New Yorkers, nothing's free. Everyone's got an angle. And so we're like, and Jesus says, I promise you, nobody, even you, no one who surrenders to love, who unattaches to all these things will fail to receive 100 times as much. Now, I don't invest in the stock market, but I'm told 10% is a great year. 15% is an even better year. Jesus says, I promise you 100%. One guy did the math, he goes, it's like 10,000%. I promise you, says Jesus, trust me. That's why you'll never meet anybody all through history who has trusted Jesus and surrendered to his love and said, what a mistake that was. Oh, that write that promise down. You, I know you've never trusted anybody your whole life. And you're a Christian, but you're like, all right, I'm a Christian, but you know what? Hey, you know, 
Jesus, you're not getting, don't get too close, you know? And I, I want to I I plead with you that Jesus' word is true. No one, even you, I know you're saying, oh my, no, no one will fail to receive a hundred times as much. And you're saying, I can't do it. I can't do it. This is too hard. I hope you're saying that. Because I'm saying, I can't either. And Jesus says, with man, verse 26, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. The point is, to even surrender to his love is a miracle. To live my life in the love of God is a miracle. The fact that you even desire it a little bit is a miracle. The fact that you even know that there's something in you that yearns for perfect love is a miracle. But it takes a miracle to surrender. And Jesus makes no qualms about it. I love that text. Love that text. Deepest encouragement. To get free from our, our obsessions takes more than willpower. It takes more than our own human strength. It takes God to break free from our masks and illusions. All right, here's one. Let's close with these three applications here. And we're going to have communion. The first is communion. See these tables over here? Now, transformation is more, being transformed is more than just one moment. Like, bam, zap, you're transformed. It's a life of basking and soaking in God's perfect love for me so that it becomes the foundation of my identity. I want you to imagine yourself going, if some of you are students here, you go to high school or college tomorrow or you're grad school or you go to work, you know, and you just, your identity is, I am deeply loved by God. Now, communion is a time that Jesus commanded us to celebrate communion, the Lord's Supper, and he gave us those words, this is my body given to you, this is my blood, the new covenant of my blood. And those are marriage words used in marriage ceremony in ancient Jewish culture. He's saying is that I love you, and I want you to come and soak and drink of my love. And that communion is about receiving his love. And, um, you know, so again, what do you assume when, when you come to his mind? You know, if I got that, you know, if you, what does God feel about you when you come to his mind? What's your answer to that question right now? And communion is, what comes to his mind is that I love, I, I, you bring a smile to my face and uh, love swells in my heart, says Jesus. I'm gonna read you a little quote. Most of us wanna get our house in order before we come to the communion table. Who am I to come to this table? The God we worship loves sinners. I love that, because I'm a sinner. He redeems failures. He delights in second chances and fresh starts. He never tires of pursuing lost sheep. He waits for children who've run away and rescues those damaged by life and left on the sides of the road. So, you know what? To know God's unconditional, reckless, radical love for me, basically, I've got to come to him in weakness and vulnerability and coming honestly. And so this table's open right now for you to come and experience his love, but you've got to come honestly and just as you are, okay, in Jesus' name. And then tell God, I want to know your perfect love. Just, I want to know your perfect love. I don't know it like I want to, okay? Second thing, as, as you're taking communion, in fact, I want the worship team to come on forward as I'm speaking, is... Uh, as Jeff mentioned earlier, there is that pledge card in your bulletin. And uh, if you're like me, I've made my pledge. You might want to fold it. And as you pray, and, and there's a basket near those communion table. And some of you have filled it out. Some of you aren't sure. And you're encouraged, if God leads you, to put it in that basket as you take communion. All right?
And then thirdly is, we're going to have some prayer lines here to the left during communion. In fact, we need a prayer team. Make sure you take your communion and go over there. If you're not a Christian and you're here today, I hope you hear the word of Jesus. Come follow me. Come. He's speaking to you. He looks at you. He loves you. And he says, come follow me. And I want you to come for prayer and, re- and, and come to Jesus today. Or if you're here this morning and you know you're not, you're a Christian, but you're not following. And you know that too. And Jesus says, do you come follow me? Um, you're not living in the love of God. I want you to come for prayer and let some teams anoint you with oil to pray for you. Okay, let's all stand. So God, imagine God's thinking about you. What do you assume he feels when you come to his mind? Just close your eyes for a moment, okay? Jesus says, this is my body, take it, eat of it, all of you. He takes the blood. This is a blood, or symbolic of the forgiveness of sins. Take and drink. What are you afraid of? Why are you afraid to surrender yourself to God's perfect river of love for you? And just be honest about it right now. Your fears of surrendering, really surrendering to Jesus right now, fully. And Lord, I pray as we take this communion together, as we come forward, that you'd move in power in the name of Jesus. You'd soak us in your love. You'd meet us at this communion table of intimacy and love. And I pray for those who come for prayer, God, you'd meet them and break chains off us that keep us from receiving your love for us. And that you'd move in power in this place now, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, we're going to form some lines. You're going to take the bread. Cut it and you're going to take take the